We're going to go ahead and jump into week three of the Season of the Light series that I've been sharing. I hope you've enjoyed it. I've, I, I know that every year when it comes to this time of year, it becomes a, a challenge to try to figure out, okay, how do we do this? How do we share something that semi has some Christmas into it, but also is something a little bit new and maybe a little bit different? Um, and that's a challenge, but at the same time, you know, the Lord helps us, the Lord leads us, and the Holy Spirit uh, makes the difference in a lot of those things. So this morning, we're going to jump right into this week and kind of look at this together. But before we do, let's pray. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you for this time. God, we thank you for this opportunity just to come and be in your presence. Father, as we now open your word, as we look at these things together, God, I pray that through your Holy Spirit, you would just illuminate things in our hearts. That, God, that you would show us different ideas and things that you want us to know. And, God, I pray that you would do that individually. God, you are an individual God. You know us. Father, Scripture says that you know the number of hairs on our heads. And if you know something as trivial as that, God, you know what we need today. And so, God, I pray that we'd be open to that. And that, God, through your Holy Spirit, you would meet us exactly where we are and change us from the inside out. We love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. So we've been talking about light and, and dark and, and kind of these things. And obviously during the Christmas season, the lights and things are very uh, important. And they, they have a lot of, of meaning and symbolism and all those sort of things. But I remember as a kid, and I've told you this before, but my grandparents lived on a farm. And so they had about 70 acres of farmland. They lived out kind of in the middle of Missouri, kind of in the central area of Missouri. And, and, and they had about 70 acres and there were other farms all around and they had some cattle and all that sort of Sort of stuff, and so I always really enjoyed going to the farm and experiencing all the things that a farm has to, you know, to that has. And, and we would go out walking on trails, and, and grandpa would take us out, and we would have a great time, and we'd go fishing, and just all these great, wonderful things. But one thing I do remember about grandma and grandpa's house was it was kind of in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it was kind of in the middle of, of just farmland or just cattle grazing areas, and there just wasn't much around there. And I remember that one of the things that I, I, was very important about their house was they had, um, right in the back of their house, they had a, like a telephone pole with a street light there. And it was, it was a large, large street light. It was basically what you would see on any street today. And I remember that light being there and, and it would always kind of come on as it get dark and all that sort of stuff. And I just always remember that being there. But I also remember that one time when I was a kid, I went there by myself. One of the things that we did growing up is mom pawned us off on grandma and grandpa one at a time for a week at Christmas, or not Christmas, uh, during the summertime. So like one week it was my week, and then it was my brother's week, and then it was my sister's week, and I don't know why mom thought that maybe three was easier than four, I don't know, but she took it when she got it. So she took it, you know? And so I remember being there, and I was all excited because it was me and grandma and grandpa. You know, it's like a week of getting spoiled by grandma and grandpa. That was, that was all right. And so I remember going there, and one of the things that they had, it was an old farmhouse. They didn't have air conditioning except for like a little window unit. And, and so it was an old house. And I remember during the summer, they would close off the upstairs because it would get unbearably hot up there. And so what we would do is grandma and grandpa would have us sleep on what they called the divan. I don't know what a divan is. All I know, it was, it was a couch that somehow went from a normal couch to flat. And so we would sleep downstairs where Grandma and Grandpa's room was on that lower level on the divan. 
But one of the things that was interesting is outside one of those windows was this pole with this light. And I remember it was the first night and I got up and I, I was sitting there. Grandma got everything set up and it was all good. And I look out that window and man, that light is going. I'm going, all right, that's cool, you know, because I was young, you know, it's a different place, you know. I wasn't scared of the dark, but, you know, a different area, different place, kind of like, yeah, and it was good. Everything was fine. Well, the second night, I get to bed, getting ready for bed, and I look out that same window, and there's no light. And I say, Grandpa, there's no light. And he goes to the window, and he looks, he goes, huh. He said, looks like our bulb is out. I'm thinking, okay. He's like, I got another one. I'll, I'll fix it in the morning. Okay, Grandpa. Sounds good. Have you ever been in the middle of nowhere with no light? It's dark. And I remember going out, and I'm looking out that window, and I'm like, it is pitch dark out there. I mean, like you, I'm, 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 I'm seven years old, and I'm going, like, this isn't cool. Like, I don't like this. And then all of a sudden, because it was so dark, all the sounds of the forest, and all, I mean, they became a little more spooky and a little more weird. And it's like, why did all of a sudden the crickets like, sound not, not happy anymore? Because it was dark. And I remember looking up at the sky, I mean, seeing stars like I've never seen before. But it was dark, and I was not happy with that situation. I was going, I don't like this. But here's the deal, man. When there is no light... It gets dark, and it gets real dark. And for a city kid who lived in the suburbs, you know, 98% of the time, going out to the, the country and seeing nothing but dark, man, it unnerved me. I didn't like it. And I did not sleep well that night. And I woke up the next morning, and I said, Grandpa? He said, yeah. I said, we need to fix that light. And sure enough, he got on his ladder, got up there and fixed it, and the rest of the time I was fine. But you know... There's some dark, dark places in our world. There's some dark, dark places, not just in our world, but also in us, that we sometimes need to understand and look at. Look, let's, let's look at this together. I want to open up Scripture. Let's go to Luke 2. Luke 2, we're going to start with verse 15, and we're going to jump a little bit in a minute. But, but just look at this with me. In Luke uh, 2.15, what we see is we've already seen basically... Um, you know, the birth, and they've gone to Bethlehem, and all of the story that we all know. And the angels have appeared to the shepherds. And that's kind of where we're picking up the story. Luke 2, 15. It says, when the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Now, here we've got to remember something a little bit about the context of the story. Bethlehem is a very, very small village, kind of in the middle of nowhere. Like, you want to talk about places being dark. You want to talk about kind of out in the country. That was Bethlehem. This was not a major area or a major situation. I've often thought, like, when I've thought about that story of Grandma and Grandpa, how the shepherds, how dark it would have been at the night when the, when the angels appeared to them. And so they've experienced this. It's in the country. It's dark there. And so they say, you know what? We need to go. We need to find this thing, this baby that we've been told about. Now let's pick it up. Luke 2, 16 through 19. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it 
were amazed at what the shepherds told them. Now look at verse 19. But Mary, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds experience something absolutely incredible. And they do a really great thing. They begin to go and they begin to tell people what they have experienced. But kind of as this Christmas story kind of in Luke kind of begins to kind of come to a close, we kind of see Mary and, we, and Luke kind of focuses back on her. And you got to remember, you know, Mary's story really starts in Luke 1 where Gabriel shows up and, and speaks to her and tells her, I mean, you're going you're to have a child and this child is going to come upon, you know, from the Holy Spirit, all that stuff. And how she experienced the, the interaction with Joseph. I mean, can you imagine that conversation? This guy that she's betrothed to, to be married. And she says, listen, I'm with child. I mean, I can't imagine. And Joseph is like, I'm going to divorce her quietly. I don't want to put her to public shame. And he has a dream. I've often thought about what that meeting must have been like between Joseph and Mary after the dream. Like, I had this dream, Mary. I believe you. I believe that that's what's happened, that God has, has come upon you, and, and I'm going to be there and take care of you. What a beautiful story that is. And that's even before the journey to Bethlehem and the angels and trying to find a room in the inn and all that stuff that is kind of a part of the Christmas story. And so I look at this as all these things that have happened, all these experiences, some hard moments, some joyous moments, all these types of things. And what does Mary do? She treasures them up and she ponders them in her heart. You see, what I've learned about our hearts is interesting. Our hearts can be full of light. They can be pondering beautiful, amazing things that God has done or that we have experienced. But at the same time, our hearts can also be depositories of some very dark things, some hard things. And I've noticed some things, you know, and God kind of speaks to me kind of sometimes in this way. Literally over the last, I would say, three or four months, whereas I have been around Christians... And I've learned some things. And not that I didn't know it before, but God has kind of illuminated some things to me about it. That even though we have experienced, if we've accepted Jesus, we've experienced that regeneration, there's still some sanctification that God wants to do in our hearts. And see, there are parts of our hearts, kind of in, in our physical hearts, you know, there are chambers and things like that. And I think spiritually at times, we have sometimes the same chambers. And even though as Christians, as believers, we've accepted Christ and we've allowed him to come in and, and do that work in us, there are still parts of our hearts that can be a very, very light place or a very, very dark place. And this morning we have to understand that because I believe that God is wanting to do a work in some of those places in our hearts. He wants to come and do something. Look at what it says in Jeremiah 17. In Jeremiah 17, 9, we get this very kind of verse that's not easy to hear. It's not easy to look at. It's not easy for me. It says the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? 
That can be our hearts at times. Those dark places that we allow to happen. We allow those things to come. And, and yes, maybe, maybe something is, it's something we did or something that was done to us or whatever it might be. But there are parts of our hearts that quite honestly are very dark. It's like we had a light, a large light there. But at some point in time, just like in the country at Grandma and Grandpa's house, that bulb is burnt out. And the thing I want us to understand and what I truly believe is God wants to shine brightest in your darkest places. He wants to get into those areas that for some reason you and I tend to hold back from him. That we tend to kind of say, you know what, I got this. Or, or you know what, I've kind of come accustomed to the darkness in this area. And he wants to say, no, I want to do something greater in you than that. I want to take the darkest places you have and shine my light in that so that that darkest place will actually become a testimony and the brightest place in your life. So this morning, I have a simple question. As we're getting ready to really, I know, I mean, like we're a week away, guys, from Christmas Eve. I want you to ask yourself a simple question. Here's the deal. As we look at this stuff together, this is one of those messages where you can have a situation where you listen to me for a little bit of time and walk out of here and not allow yourself to be changed. Or you can look at your life honestly. You can look at what's going on inside of you and realize that no matter how dark your heart can be in certain parts of it, that Christ wants to do something in you this morning in a powerful way. But to do that, we have to start with this question that we all have to ask. How is your heart this Christmas? I mean, we ask each other questions all the time this season, don't we? How's your decorations? How's your, have you bought all your gifts? Have you got them all wrapped? You know, we never ask, how's your heart? How's your heart? Is your heart where it needs to be? Have you allowed the light to penetrate the dark places of your heart? Because for some of us, we have forgotten our hearts. We have thought that it is okay to have parts of our heart be, be in darkness and not allow the light of Christ to penetrate all areas of our heart, even the dark places, even the hard places, even the places where things have happened to us that just seem so difficult that no light could penetrate. You see, I believe that Christ this season wants to be that light in your heart. Because here's the deal. If we're not willing to look at our hearts we're going to have some issues. We're very good at dealing with symptoms in our world. We're very good at dealing with symptoms, whether it be diseases or other types of situations. Our God is bigger than symptom management, folks. Our God wants to not just deal with your symptoms. He wants to deal with the source. And what we see in Scripture all the time is that source really is deep in our hearts. Proverbs 4, 23, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. 
Everything you say, everything you do, it comes from someplace. And if there's light in your heart, you're going to come out with some light. But if there's some darkness in your heart, it doesn't matter if it's a small part. It's going to eventually come out. Proverbs 27, 19. It's a great verse. It says, as a face is reflected in water, so the heart reflects the real person. How's your heart? Because everything you do is going to flow out of it. Everything you say is going to flow out of it. Look what Jesus says in Luke 6. In Luke 6, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. What you say, what you do, how you react, all of these things. We love to look at our lives and go, I need to act this way or respond better this way. You know what? That's great. And I agree with that. But we sometimes need to take a step back and go, what is in my heart that is causing those words to come out of my mouth? Because a lot of times we don't understand Let me give you an example. You've been hurt. Something has happened in your life that has caused you pain or difficulty. Someone rejected you. Someone responded to you in a a negative way. Someone looked at you and, and told you things that are not true or whatever it may be. And so you've experienced that hurt and that pain. And instead of taking it to the Lord and letting him heal your heart, you've tucked it away in a corner, in a dark place, and you said, you know what, it's not that big a deal. I can put it away. I can put it over there. My heart, hey, 90% light, 10% dark, that's pretty good. I'll take it. That's pretty good. And then something strange happens. We're put in a position where, once again, we have to trust people. We're put in a position where, once again, maybe someone says something that we can look at and misunderstand because of what someone else did five years ago. And all of a sudden, that darkness begins to come. And so the fear and the anxiety and all that stuff that never was healed by God begins to come out in our hearts and in our actions and in our words. Some of you have issues, listen, with relationships today because of things that have taken place in your life 30 years ago. And that darkness is still there and it's still affecting how you handle relationships today. And I'm here to tell you it doesn't have to. I'm here to tell you your your symptom management has been okay, but our God wants to heal your heart. He wants to get in your heart and change everything about how you understand these things. He doesn't want you just to basically pop the Advil, spiritually speaking, so that your knee doesn't hurt for four hours. He wants to get inside your knee and actually repair and replace and make it new again. He wants to shine his light into whatever dark place you have and change you from the inside out. 
Because for some of us, that's desperately what we need this Christmas. You see, maybe you made a list, maybe you didn't. Maybe you're excited about the things you're giving other people. I hope all that's true. But for some of us, the greatest gift we need this Christmas is never going to be found under a Christmas tree. It's never going to have a bow on it. It's going to be a work of God in our hearts that completely heals us from the pain and the darkness that we've experienced. It's what He's come to give. What He wants to do. And so in that, we have to understand that if we're going to be a light for Him, the way that He wants us to be, we're going to have to allow Him to get rid of some of that darkness. He wants to work that in our hearts and our lives because He has called you and He's called me to shine brightly for Him. And I think all of us would agree, man, I want that for my life. I want to be a light that penetrates the darkness, that changes the people around me because of the light of Jesus in my heart. But the issue with it, to do that in the way that God really wants to do it, we've got to get our hearts right. You see, to make our light bright, we need to get our heart right. And once our heart is right, everything will flow from that. Everything will come from that. And we need to understand. There's a very popular, famous portion of Scripture in Micah. In Micah 6. Now let me give you some context before we jump in here about Micah 6. Micah 6 is an interesting portion of Scripture. And what really was going on here, the picture that we're getting from Micah and the people is kind of, kind of a courtroom scene in a lot of ways. Where God is kind of bringing his, his legal complaint or his legal situation before the people of Israel. So when you read Micah 6, you kind of have to have that kind of look in it. I don't know if you used to watch, you know, Matlock or, 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 or something like that. My wife likes Matlock, so we watched it a little bit. You know, and I like Andy Griffith, so everybody wins, you know. But you gotta, whatever you got to get there, law and order, whatever you got to get that, get that kind of courtroom scene. And God is basically speaking to his people. And he's bringing legal charges in a lot of ways for them and to them. And the people are responding in certain ways. And that's kind of the context that we have in Micah 6. But here's the deal. In Micah 6, starting with verse 6 and 7, the people kind of respond. Listen to how they respond. Because remember, the complaints have been made. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Very interesting. Shall I come before him with burnt offerings? With calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Em, if you would leave that up there for a second, I want you to see the progression here. You see, God has come and said, basically, you have not, you have, you have a, heart, a heart that's dark in a lot of ways. You have not followed my rules or my commandments. You have lived your own way. You've tried your own thing. You are guilty in so many ways. And so they're like, okay, what do we need to do to fix this? What do we need to do to fix this problem that we have with the darkness that is still residing in times in our heart and our lives? And so they begin to kind of come up with ideas. They're like, okay, I'll fix it, God. Um, how, about, how, about, how about I give you um, some burnt offerings, huh? huh? Burnt offerings, you'll love that. You, you, you love the smell. You know, God loves a barbecue. So, you know, a little burnt offerings, huh? That'd be good? No? Okay. Um, how about, how about some, a, a calf, a year old? Calves are, you know, like a really good one. God, will that, 
Okay, no. Um, okay. Um, oh, oh, will you be pleased with thousands of rams? Now, so we've gone from burnt offerings to one calf. Now we're like, let's do a thousand rams. God, God will really respond to that. God will really be pleased with, no? Okay. Um, how about 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Huh? How about that stuff? No? Okay. Um, oh, boy, we're in real trouble here. Um, oh, how about, now listen to what they offer. How about my firstborn? God, will that make you happy? God, will that? Bring lightness into the darkness? No? How about my own body? How about that? Will that fix it? God responds in Micah 6 8. In Micah 6 8, through the prophet Micah, he says, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. That's what God is wanting. You see, if we can get to a place where we can allow God to change our hearts these are the things that are going to come from that. You see, a lot of us will read Micah 6, 8 and go, okay, well, if I can just, if I can just do if I can just act justly, if I can act the right way, or if I can love mercy, or I can walk humbly, then, then all those things. Listen, I don't know about you, but I've tried to do all these with my dark heart, and it doesn't work. You see, what these actions are is exactly where they flow from. They have to come from your heart. And if God can change your heart, we can use these as basically a litmus test to find out how our hearts are. You see, a lot of us, we think if we could just do these three things, that somehow that will change our hearts, but that's not how it works. These things will be coming out, will flow from the heart that God has illuminated. And so this morning, what, as we kind of bring this to a close, what I want us to do is understand what we need to be doing with these scriptures and understand that these are things that we need to look and go, listen, these are areas I need to understand as I am allowing God to change me and bring light into my darkness. These things will always be affected. So we need to look at these three together. You see, number one, my heart is right when I act right, okay? My heart is right when I act right. Now, here's the deal with that. We have to understand we have an issue with that because here's what I found. In our world and in our indiv as individuals, we have different understandings of what it is to act right. You see, one individual will say, this is okay, and one individual will say, this is okay, and we've forgotten what it really is to understand what it is to act right. The way we understand this is we go back to God's Word. That is our standard. That is what we look at. That is how we live our lives. That's how we know if we're acting justly, not based on what the culture says, not based on what Aaron says, but it's based on what God's Word says. It's so important. Psalms 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. 
We have to have it. It's so important that we understand from God's word how to live, how to relate to each other, how to understand God. All these things God's word helps us with. It kind of goes along with the idea and it's kind of the series of light. But I remember when my sisters were young, they got a very cool Christmas present. You ready what it is? Some of you already know. They got a light bright. And I know, look, I looked this week. I almost, I almost bought one and brought one in, you know, but I was like appalled by them today. Appalled. Absolutely appalled. Because you know what the old light brights had? The light bulb. Yeah. They were like the size of a large television. Remember those? Now you can go by them and they're like that thin. We have like, you know, thin screen light brights. Okay? And I was just, nope, I'm not going to do it. Now, if somebody had an old light bright, we could have brought that in, and man, we would have had us a good old time. But I remember Sarah and Laura getting light brights. And then that was the coolest thing. You know, you get the light bulb on it, and you have the whole thing. You remember what came with the light bright besides the colored pegs? Remember? The templates. Remember the templates? I remember the commercial. I remember, like, man, you get that silly light bright, light bright, yeah, in your head, and it ain't getting out for a while, you know? And I remember the girls got templates. And they would put the template up onto the screen. And it was just like a piece of cardboard, or, or not cardboard, just, just thick paper. And on the paper, there was a, a, a pattern, but it only had letters. Do you remember this? And so you'd get it up there, and then there was, there was a Y. And, and guess what? The Y stood for yellow. Okay? This is real difficult, I know. And what you would do is you would take your yellow peg, and you would place it in the Y. And there was green, a G, okay, I'll put the green. And then, you know, you do R, red, and B, blue, and you would do all this stuff. And then you would step back and you go, oh, isn't that beautiful? I have a snowman. I always get a kick out of it when, like, my sisters, they were young at the time. But when they would take the template away and try to do it on their own, and they'd go, look, it's a star. And I was the older brother, and I'd go, look, it's not. You know, that was mean. I was, no. But they would do that. And they had a template that would help them show what the picture was supposed to look like. You know what I found in our world today? There's a lot of people who think they don't need the template. There's a lot of people with their light brights who go, you know, I know the template says this is a Y, but I get to decide, and I'm, I'm going to say it's a G, it's a green. When it comes to Many, many things in our culture. There's a lot of people who think they don't have to listen to the creator and the template. And instead, they can put their colors where they want. And here's the deal with that. I'm just going to be honest. When we get away from the template and we start to think we know best and where to place the colors, it turns into a thing just like when my sisters did it without the template. It becomes a colorful mess. We should know how to live because we don't try to figure it out on our own, but we use God's word to help us to understand how to live. Listen, when it comes to how to be a husband or how to, how to be a good wife, how to be a good parent, guess where you can go to get that information? God's word. When you figure out how to deal with each other or God, where do you get that information? God's word. It comes from that. This is our template. 
And God wants to make beautiful pictures of your life. But it will only come if you're willing to understand what the template is saying. And you put the yellow where the yellow goes and the green where the green goes. Because God knows better than you do. Because he's the creator. He's the author. And we just simply, God, if you say the yellow peg goes here, I might not understand it. But I'm going to put the yellow peg there. Because here's what I've learned about God's light bright. My picture affects your picture. You see, God is not sitting there with 8 billion or whatever number of people in this world nowadays, individual light brights. God has a much bigger picture. And there are times in my life where I have, God has said, listen, I need you to put a green peg here. And I go, God, that doesn't make sense. God, I don't understand. And God says, do you trust me? Okay, God. And then I find out 5, 10, 20 years later that there was a very important reason why the G had to be a G in that moment. But not only do we use God's word to help us how to live, it's real simple. We learned it as a child. But if you're acting right, if your heart is right, you'll also just simply follow what it says in Matthew 7, 12. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. And then listen, isn't this amazing? Because some of us don't know the second part of this verse. We know the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I remember being in Royal Rangers and I had to learn that. I'm going to find whoever wrote that book and say, why didn't you include this part? Because this is vitally important. For it sums up the law and the prophets. Doing to others as you would want them to do to you. Are you acting right? Are you using the template? Are you allowing your life to be ruled by that golden rule? Because those are symptoms of a heart that has been changed and is acting right. Number two, my heart is right when I love right. When I love right. Love mercy. We talked about mercy last week. We talked about grace. We talked about mercy. And we talked about how mercy here is this understanding that in a lot of ways, basically, grace is you getting what you don't deserve. And, 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 and mercy, you know, you know, basically mercy is getting what you don't deserve in a lot of ways. And I messed that up. But basically, grace is basically unmerited favor. You know, you get something great. You don't deserve it, but you're given that gift where, where mercy is kind of the opposite. It's where you, you, you should get something and you don't get it. It's amazing here what this is saying. Because here's the deal. To love mercy it's easy to love mercy for yourself. I am very, I love the mercy because I know what I deserve. It's a completely different thing and it shows a changed heart when you can love mercy for someone else. Because you know what we typically do? I want them to get what they deserve. They hurt me, I want them to hurt. But loving mercy is actually desiring that they don't get what they deserve and loving it to the point of celebration and excitement because someone who did something wrong receives mercy. 
That's a changed heart. Look what it says in Matthew 9. In Matthew 9, we see the story of, of Matthew and his calling. And we've got to remember, Matthew's a tax collector. He's hated. He's, a, he's, he's, he's turned against everything in the mind of the Jewish person. It says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting in his tax collector's booth. Follow me, and he got up. Or follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to come to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? You've heard this before, right? What's Matthew do? Matthew, Matthew is extended mercy by Jesus. And so what's Matthew do? He has a pardon. He's excited. Look what God has done. Look what he's done in my heart. I deserved this and he gave me that. I, I, I was called to be his disciples and to follow him when, when no one else would even care about who I was. And so he invites all these people, all these sinners to have dinner with Jesus. They're going to celebrate God's mercy, God's grace, all that has happened. And what happens? The Pharisees walk by and they go, oh, Jesus, why are you associating with all these sinners. Don't you know what they've done? He was a tax collector. Why are you eating with all this scum? Look, what Matthew, look how Jesus responds in verse number 12. Says, when Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Then he added, then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. You know what the Pharisees didn't want Jesus to do? Show mercy. Give them what they deserve, Jesus. And Jesus' response to them is, listen, you don't understand mercy at all. In a lot of ways, I love the last part of that verse when Jesus says, I'm not, I'm not here to call the righteous. I'm here to bring home or call those who know they are sinners. You see, when you know you are a sinner, you'll understand mercy a lot greater than if you think you've got it all together and think you're righteous. And we know what Scripture says not one is righteous. Not one. We got to love it. Because here's the deal. If we don't love mercy, I would say we've somewhat forgotten the mercy that has been extended to us. That's why it's a hard issue here. When we have forgotten the great debt that we have been forgiven of, our hearts aren't right. When we don't love mercy, we have a problem. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3, it, it says, If I speak in tongues of men and angels, but I have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have not love, I've gained nothing. 
Do we love mercy like that for others? And especially for others that have hurt us. You see, one of the greatest ways to figure out real quick if you got some darkness in your heart is if you can desire for the person that hurt you and in some ways allowed some of that darkness to come, if you can love mercy so much that you don't want them to pay for what they did to you. And I'm going to tell you straight up, you can't do that without Jesus. You say, well, I've done it in this area. Okay, maybe you have. But in the deep, dark hurts, you got to have Jesus' light. And he wants to do that in your heart. He wants to heal your heart. Number three, my heart is right when I walk right. Walk humbly with your God. In a lot of ways, one, two, and three really kind of come together and they all work together. But look what it says in 1 Peter 5. 1 Peter 5, starting with the first, second part of verse 5, it says, All of you dress yourself in humility as you relate to one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Now look at verse 6. So humble yourself under the mighty power of God, and at the right time He will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares for you. Here's the thing about verse 6 that we tend to miss a lot of times. We're to humble ourselves under what? The mighty power of God. Here's how I've found the easiest way to understand in some ways how we should walk humbly. When we understand who God is and we understand who we are. When I understand who God is in a greater, greater degree, that doesn't make me more prideful. That makes me more humble. Because I sit there and I go, are you kidding me? The God who spoke the very worlds into existence has given me not what I deserve, but what I don't deserve because he loved me so much and sent his son for me. Are you kidding me? Because I know what I've done in my life. I know the darkness that has been there that is still being worked on as I'm being sanctified by God. And yet he loves me. I'm not going to sit there and go, man, look who I am. I'm going to sit there and go, look how great God is. It's easy to walk humbly. Maybe it's not easy, but it's it's more easy to walk humbly when you begin to understand more and more and more who God really is. One of the great reasons why it's so important that we spend time in God's word and prayer, why we're going to spend 21 days of prayer and fasting in January is so that you know God in a deeper way. Because the more we know of him and his greatness and his mighty power, we can be like David where he says, God, who am I that you would be mindful of me? And we can walk in humbleness. We can walk in understanding. We're more apt to give that love and that mercy and act the right way towards others because we understand what greatness God has imparted to us with his grace and his mercy and his love. And we can walk in the right way. Remember now, as we've looked at these things, These are the litmus tests. 
these types of activities and acts right, and we act right, and we love right, and we walk right, these are things that God has done in our hearts first. And so I understand we kind of take it in a little backwards way this morning. Because here's the deal, if you want to act right, if you want to love right, if you want to walk right, you've got to let God get your heart right. You see, here's what I've learned when you go all the way back to the earlier part in our message. You will treasure and you will ponder things in your heart. Everyone will. The question becomes, what are you going to treasure and ponder? It's not a question of, I don't have to. It's not a question, I, 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 I abstain from that. Your heart will be full of either lightness or darkness. And I am here to let you know and to encourage you this morning that no matter what dark places you have, God can enter into those places and bring light and shut out the darkness and heal your heart and heal what's been going on inside of you. I don't care if it's been 70 years or seven minutes. Our God is so great and so loving and so awesome that he doesn't look at you and me and say, you know what, uh, it's okay if you have a little bit of darkness. God doesn't look at our hearts and go, you know, 90, 10, that's eh, pretty good. No, no, see, God, when he came to give us life and life to the fullest, is basically saying, I want 100% of your heart. I want to bring light to every single part of who you are. This morning... What I really want us to do and be willing to do is real simple. Will you be willing to invite Jesus into your dark place? And listen, I know this is a simple illustration. It's real easy to say. And, you know, but if we somehow turned off every light in this church, blacked out the windows, you know, where it's dark enough you can't see your hand in front of your face. Yeah, it'd be dark in here. But the candles would still penetrate the darkness. You see, what's amazing is it doesn't matter how dark it is. You don't need a blowtorch to get the light someplace in the darkness. Sometimes you just need a little light. But for some of us, we've been living our lives in darkness. We have not allowed the healing to happen that God wants to do and here's the deal. This Christmas, he wants to give you a heart that is completely full of light. Remember I told you earlier that sometimes God will just speak over several months. And, and, and that really happened. And, and, and there's just been people that, that throughout that time that God has kind of laid on my heart. <laughs> and has kind of through his Holy Spirit, it's not me, but it's kind of illuminated like dark places in their heart. Emily and I have talked about it. Like I've shared these things with her and I'm like, you know, I'm seeing this. I feel like the Holy Spirit is, is showing me this in, in, in individuals' hearts. And, and here's the deal, just so you know, Emily, you know, she'll tell you, we don't do, I'm not doing that and basically I go on, how dare they? How dare they? They should know better. I shared it, my heart breaks. 
Because what's in here is always going to come out here. And you begin to hear the stories and you begin to see the things and you begin to understand. The reason why they're doing what they're doing today is because of what happened to them five years ago. And they thought, you know, it's just a little bit of darkness. I'll just kind of place it back here in the back of the heart. And then I'll come up and I'll be be fine. And and look at me and how you doing, brother? I'm great. Just how you doing, sister? And then something else happens. And that darkness comes out. And how they act, what they say, what they do how they respond to situations and people. people think Aaron you don't know you don't know what happened you don't know what was said you don't you know as if as if nothing bad has ever happened in my life as if I've never been hurt as if somehow the darkness is just too dark for Jesus You know, this is the season of the light. And here's the, here's the dirty little secret. <laughs> it's the season of the light all year long. It's always the season of the light. Just more emphasized right now. And for some of you, whether you're here or online, the Holy Spirit's speaking to you right now about some dark places some places that quite honestly you've kind of learned to live with. You've kind of just been like, whatever, you know, it's okay. And every once in a while, something will happen and that darkness kind of spills out. But you know what? It doesn't happen too often. It's okay. It's all right. You know, Jesus wants to heal your heart. Others of you, man, you look at it and you go, no, no, (laughs) there's some darkness here and it comes out a lot. There's a lot of anger, there's a lot of rage, there's a lot of bitterness, there's a lot of confusion. There's just a lot of stuff. And you know what? I'm very aware of my darkness. But you just think maybe it's just too big or it's too great or, or God doesn't care enough to deal with your darkness. Or maybe you're somewhere in between. I don't know. But I do know this. The light of the world has come. And he doesn't just want to light up our world. He wants to light up our hearts. Every dark place, every hurting place, every broken place, Jesus wants to enter into it. And so this morning again, I just got a simple question. Because I don't know what your dark place is. But would you invite Jesus into it? This morning, will you just say, Jesus, I got some dark areas in my heart. Yes, I know you. Yes, I've accepted you. But you know what? I've allowed some darkness to creep in. 
Jesus, will you just enter into that darkness? Because just like a candle in a dark room, the darkness will flee when Jesus comes in. But we got to invite him in to that place so that he can do the healing work that only he can do. That's what he wants to give you for Christmas. A heart full of his light. So then we can act right. We can love right. And we can walk right. So wherever you're at, let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes, and let's just ask. Let's just ask him to do that. So Jesus, we come to you right now and we're just so thankful. We're so thankful that it says back in John 1 that that the darkness cannot overcome you. And Jesus, there may be some really dark places in our hearts. But I know because I've experienced it firsthand that no matter how dark those areas are, your light will penetrate it and chase away that darkness. And so Jesus, in my heart and the hearts of those that are willing online and here this morning, Jesus, will you enter into those dark places of my heart? Because I know I have them too. And will you shine your light and bring hope and wholeness and healing to not just my heart, but to every individual's heart that's here and online, whether they're watching today or five years from now. God, you know. But God, will you heal our hearts this Christmas? Will you shine your light in our darkness this Christmas and make our hearts full of your life-giving light, not just for us, but so that others that we come in contact with can be influenced by the light you have produced in us. God, it may sound funny or weird to around Christmas time to share a message really about healing. But Jesus, you came to heal our hearts and to change them, to make them like yours. So help us. So Jesus, we invite you in to that deep, dark place, and we pray that you would bring light to a dark place. You're so good. Jesus, we're so thankful. We're so thankful that not only did you save us, not only did you come, not only did you die and rise again, but now, now you're transforming us. You're pushing away the darkness when it tries to come and healing us. You're so good. And we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Father. So listen. I know it's Christmas time. I know there's a lot going on. But will you do me a favor for the next week? 
And you can do it throughout, but just at least the next week. During your prayer time, during your, your time where you're spending time with the Lord and His Word. Will you just make sure you ask God that question? Will you ask Jesus, will you say, Jesus, how's my heart this Christmas? Because there may be some areas that he wants to heal throughout this week. So that when we come back for Christmas Eve, those dark places, God's just taken care of. And we can celebrate the light of Jesus. All right? It'd be awesome. Cool. Remember, next week, Christmas Eve, if you show up at 10 o'clock, you'll be here alone, okay? So don't do that, okay? Four o'clock, if you, again, if you want to come a little bit early, we welcome you to do that. We'll have some snacks and some cookies and just have a great time celebrating Jesus' birth. I hope you have a great week and we'll see you then.